start with as well. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited. Infertility is a topic that has caused much despair to many people. It is incredibly prevalent, very surprisingly so. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of logic to it. And uh, so it takes a lot of resilience to be, to, to go through the process of correcting infertility or finding your answer to it. And I've also discovered that some of the things that we say to people to make them feel better are not necessarily helpful. And so I have the privilege of interviewing today. We're going to do two interviews. Uh, one is the regular businessy um, professional details of what goes on in uh, in treating someone for infertility with my beautiful guest Pamela Rashid, who is a nursing specialist in infertility. So uh, she's going to give us the professional. This is how what goes on. This is um, and and some ideas on what can can help people. And then after half an hour, we will do a new interview on a new platform, which you will find in the description that I've put there, because we're going to go behind the scenes to the faith many of you know I am a Christian so is Pamela and there are um, alternative answers in the faith community in in, in uh, that so those of you who know I have the ministry website I have the ministry YouTube channel that's where we will go uh, at the end of this interview for those of you who would like to know more about stories of miracles and some also some extra helpful things for particularly for Christians who are trying to conceive that may be helpful for them. So I do speak to two different audiences. One is the, the regular, um, often business, but secular audience, but I also have my um, ministry following. So you're welcome to participate in both. And by all means, if you are watching on YouTube, Facebook or uh, LinkedIn, Please participate, add your comments. And when I see them up there, I will add them to, to the screen. If uh, you're watching this as a replay, then uh, feel free to like, comment. And also, I want to ask everybody as we go, subscribe, if you're watching, particularly if you're watching on YouTube. So join us there so I can continue to reach more people because, you know, I have a certain level, level of expertise, but it's wonderful when I can talk to someone who is a guest. So Pamela welcome and uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you know, your background and how you got to be where you are now okay thank you so much Trish this is quite a privilege for me to be on this platform and I'm very grateful that you were so generous to invite me I am a nurse with a master's degree in New York USA and my specialty um, is women's health uh, with a major focus on infertility I've been in the field of infertility for 13 years. And in this field, I do help um, women and their partners um, overcome infertility. There are so many issues that they face. It could be a male factor, it could be a female factor, there could be unexplained reasons as well. And when a couple is trying to conceive and um, months have passed, for example, a couple that's younger than 35, and they have not succeeded, it's time, uh, you know, if they're younger than 35 and they've not conceived in about six months or to a year, it's time for them to seek fertility help. If they're older, six months is just tops. You shouldn't even wait longer than six months because of the biological clock that ticks for women. So within six months of trying and no um, success, it is time to really seek out a fertility specialist. So I work with patients across um, the age groups, uh, patients across culture, across racial backgrounds, um, so socioeconomic backgrounds. And infertility is something that is still very shrouded in secrecy. Uh, patients don't want to know or want to, want to know that they're infertile. Um, they don't want others to know that they're infertile or they're facing this battle trying to conceive. And so it becomes a lonely journey. It becomes an uncertain journey. Um, lots of questions are raised and men and women are not that ready to set their feet into the clinic 
to get a diagnosis that they never thought was their diagnosis of infertility. So, you know, the vast uh, years of experience that I've had, um, I decided to write a book about the inside world of infertility. Um, and it is a book that has been making waves um, called Barren, The Inside World of Infertility. And it's been helping um, people around the world. That is fabulous. Thank you for telling us about your background and, uh, and, and where you've come from. You have a lot of credibility. You are someone that, that we can uh, really listen to. Just hold up your book again for us. Let's get a look at that. So, Baron, the inside world of infertility, fantastic. Um, you know what I'm going to do is, uh, is I'm going to bring that up uh, on now. Would you like me to go to your website or to Amazon? I think we'll you you can go to gentlenurseinfusion.com um, website. Uh, you can even go to Amazon. Actually, Amazon has uh, the Kindle uh, and the Audible book as well in addition to the paperback. Right, but your website, tell us again the website. I'm so the website is, yes, gentlenurse101.com. Okay, gentlenurse101.com. Okay, and... And it, it should pop up, it would pop up there. Great, no, that's, that's fantastic, that's... Uh, that's where we want it, gentlenurse101.com, gentlenurse101.com. And what I would like to do, there we go, that's beautiful, because this is important. This is this is not just, oh, look who we have here. Thank you. Welcome, Christina. It's great to, um, to have you contribute to our video. She's saying, well done, Pamela Rashid, coming on the show. Uh, I really want to treat this seriously and with respect because I have discovered that uh, some of the things that I thought were encouraging to say were perhaps not so great to say to people. We will get to those. Um, but uh, I'm going to share the screen and uh, show people your website, which will be, let's just see. What are you looking at now, Rashid? Are you seeing? Okay, okay. there we go. Okay. Um, great Chrome tab. That's the one we want. And that there we go. That's what I wanted to show. You're seeing your. Yes, I can see that. Great. So when they go to gentlenurse101.com, they will have the offer of buying the book, which is great. Always nicer to buy the book from the website. But for those of us in Australia, uh, Amazon America doesn't necessarily like yes. uh, pay postage, but they can get the book from amazon.com.au and Americans get it from can get it from amazon.com. And uh, so this is your website. You've got uh, your, your homepage, you've got about you uh, and the services that you offer, um, yes. patient reviews, very important, and resources. There's your book there that's coming up. So inside the world of fertility. So Pamela, can you just give it, I, I realise there are lots of different options but can you just give us a bit of insight for those of us who may not understand and don't really know what's going on, or for someone who has thought maybe I do need to do something about trying, uh, what generally happens in the process? Yeah, well, generally men and women don't think that they have an infertility issue until they've been trying and then not conceiving. And then it dawns on them that perhaps, perhaps, you know, there is some issues. And fertility awareness is something that is still, you know, something that members do not want to um, track that road, right? So they might think that they have an issue, but the bravery and the courage that they need to go to a fertility specialist might be what's lacking. Now, when women are aware of the possibility that 
issue. The next thing for them to do is to really have a talk with their husband, their male partner, to figure out what's really going on here. And a lot of time men are not on board because you know they don't want the fingers to be pointing to them. Right. And the, the first thing they should do is collaborate, you know, go and see a specialist. It is the hardest thing to do. The, the hardest step to take is actually seeing your feet into a fertility specialist's office. Um, you feel that you've opened up your whole privacy to the world, right? So they're not going to be going to the fertility specialist as if it is going to an ice cream store, right? But when once they get there and they get to understand that there could be several issues, there could be a blockage in the fallopian they could be a low egg reserve, they could be a low sperm count, um, they could be, you know, endometriosis is something that also causes a very low egg count in even younger women. So there's a, an abundance of diagnosis that can be figured out, but they have to go through testing. Right. And then, you know, once they're scheduled to go through a semen analysis, blood work to check an egg reserve, um, an ultrasound, the histosalpinogram uh, to look at the fallopian tubes, that period of time waiting for those results to come back is really a period of time that can cause a lot of stress because we don't, they don't know what the outcome would be of those results. And then doing a follow-up visit with their doctor to review those test results could be very nerve-wracking. But you know, in medicine, it's, it's very clear-cut. You have to say to the patients, well, listen, you, there's a low sperm count, and that is very, very shocking. Or there's a blockage in your fallopian tube. Um, we need to overcome that. Or there is a low egg reserve, and younger women have that. I mean, egg reserve do decrease um, with age, and so does egg quality for women. And the biological clock is always held up to the faces of these women, not to the men. So one of the shocking diagnoses during that time is if there's a male factor. And then, right, you've identified the problem. Now you've got to come up with a biological clinical plan to overcome that problem. Okay, so Pamela, let me just um, jump in there. With the range of, of possibilities uh, and you get the testing done, not everything is super-duper dramatic, though, would you say? Sometimes it might be something relatively simple and easily treated. That so, is correct. So... so what I'm getting at is that you don't necessarily have to fear that it's a major, major thing that, that you know, that because people would be frightened to come and find these things out and be apprehensive. Now, sure, it could be, but quite often it can be something that is relatively easy to treat and overcome. And then you've got the, the other ranges of things. That is correct. But Trish, taboo, stigma, those things play a very, very big part in even yeah. finding out the smallest problem that there might be to the largest problem. The two guards at the door, stigma, taboo, you know, right. opening up your privacy, those are the major, major setback. But once there is enough courage and encouragement from others, awareness, they step into that clinic, they can find out it's something very minimal. For example, if there is a low sperm count, okay, you know, you have to probably do an insemination because then you get a concentrated amount of sperm that goes right into the uterus. If there's a blocked fallopian tubes, there are some procedures that can canalize the fallopian tubes if it's not sure. Patients who get pregnant, even after doing that histosalpinogram where dye is put through the fallopian tubes. But some right. of the more shocking ones are no sperm, no eggs, or endometriosis, or uh, hydrosalping, something that destroy the fallopian tubes. Wow, there's such a, such a, uh, a variety of, um, of conditions that there can be. And I'd like to turn to our, our comments. We've got uh, Wilfred Cameron, who says about your book, that uh, he saw an excerpt of your book and was impressed by its unique, refreshing style and it's really well written. So it's simply and insightfully written. So it's a book that 
people are not going to be overwhelmed by medical speak. So that sounds like you've written it in a way that everyday people can actually understand. Yes, absolutely. So this book is composed in three parts. So one is the clinical um, background, such as the diagnoses and also the treatment cycles leading from just insemination, timed intercourse, which are the least invasive treatment cycle, up through IVF, even needing egg donation, embryo donation, or sperm donation. So those are, you know, treading into really deep waters with those other um, clinical plans, which I've spearheaded those when I was at Columbia University. And I have actually worked with patients overseas who've come to Columbia University to get treated. So I was like the head nurse for that program um, related to egg and embryo donation. So I had such a wide background with this. So I was able to bring that into this book, talking about all the treatment protocols. I was able to cover finances. And then part two of the book, you know, amazingly, some of the patients that I've worked with had stayed in touch, send me photographs, keep me updated with videos of their babies, um, whether they got them from egg donors or they got them from donor embryos or IVF. Um, So they have actually written their stories and given it to me to put into this book. So that's part two. So it does have a very personal human touch to that. And then part three, I gave my clinical um, expertise as a nurse. I talk about stigma. I talk about blame, taboo, um, all these things that get fiercely played in the background that the clinics don't really focus on. I mean, their job is really not to focus on those things. Their job is to determine a biological plan to overcome a medical diagnosis. So that is the job of the clinic. Yeah, it, it really difficult thing when I know I haven't had a lot to do with uh, doctors, but I have had a lot to do with lawyers, and I think what can be in common is is the technical speak and the matter of fact way that they talk about situations that they don't realise how emotionally impacting even their words are. We are going to talk about how we as lay people can be a bit more sensitive to those who are struggling but uh, professionals like even just the phrase oh you know mr brown you have a low sperm count uh, and just said in a very matter of fact way it might not mean anything to a clinician but to a man that speaks straight to his his perception of manhood and uh you know even though it is a biological thing and it doesn't reflect him as the value as a man psychologically it it, it can be quite traumatic and and his his self-esteem and ego and and women too i mean women are more often firstly uh assumed to you know have the problem and i think yes. our culture our culture has has uh, basically valued women according to their capacity to reproduce babies um, which which is only one part of of what we may choose to do, uh, and I think, and we will go into this in the next interview when we talk about church, where it can be even worse, even harder um, to to cope because of the great emphasis on the value of of you know motherhood, um, and yet that's only one part of our lives, and it's a big part of our lives. So I think that's something that uh, people you know, really should try to be prepared to, to try not to take it personally but see it as, as a biology and for the different reasons that, that um, these things can happen, whether health reasons, nutrition, and even then it's not about blame. It's about, okay, there's this, what do we do now? Yes. Well, you know, um, coming back to clinicians, I mean, this is something that they deal with every single day. So a diagnosis is a diagnosis and their job there is to fix that. So they don't really pay a lot of attention to the emotions. And this is where nurses come in. I think that this is really where nurses come in. So as a nurse, I've paid attention to that. It's why I've developed these relationships because I looked at the expressions on the faces of these patients. And I can almost think for a moment what might be going through their heads. And those were the places where I was able to meet my patients. You know, yes, the doctor's job is to give a medical diagnosis and a biological plan, and he keeps it moving. Now, I'm in the middle as a nurse. 
I need to bring that empathy. I need right. to bring that um, human touch there. And unfortunately, you don't see a lot of that, you know, because nurses too, they need to get on with it, right? They need to get on with the plan that the doctor has determined. But I've taken time and until now, I do take time with my patients to listen to them. Um, you know, what are their struggles? What are their inner struggles? You know, couples would go home and there would be fights. I had one couple who they were at the brink of divorce before she delivered. Um, oh my God. So, so many things happened and she actually wrote her book, uh, her story in my book. Her name is, um, in my book, it's, it's her name is Sadie. Uh, they were going through that. So we don't know. Blame is a fierce game that gets played behind closed doors. And it, another it, day, the couple might come back to the clinic and they were not together like they were when they first came. You can see a rift if you have a discernment and an intuition as a caregiver and you pay attention to those cues, you can actually pick up that there is some silent struggles there. And they may not succeed, but they will remember one thing. They were treated with dignity despite such wow. a diagnosis. Yeah, and, and that is, I, I, deal, I dealt a lot with that in the part three of the book. I'm glad to hear that. And I, I would suggest too that uh, in addition to yourself, there, these days there, there would be groups online, support groups for yes. parents and Facebook groups that I would encourage people to visit to it does help to meet with other people who have been in the same boat as you and to get their their understanding and compassion and, and men can talk to other men who have been in that situation who can encourage them and give them some perspective so you know as a society we're here to support one another not to tear mm -hmm. each other down there's so much that the medical world can do and there's so much that we as friends can do, but there's also the people who've gone before who've been in that situation and whether or not they went on to successfully have a, have a biological child or whether they went on to adoption or whether they um, decided that, you know, they would, they would accept the situation as it is. There are people out there and there are groups out there that can uh, be supportive. You don't have to do this on your, please don't do this on your own. And if it really is affecting your emotional, mental and your health and, and your marriage, please go and get some help. Talk to someone. Don't just talk to anybody because people can be careless in their effort to help. They can be careless. But if it helps to talk to a professional counsellor, perhaps in that field, then I really want to encourage that because you know, nothing worse than being so focused on trying to get this child that you you shipwreck your marriage and relationship and then you're on your own you know you, yes. you want to go through this together and well so that it's whatever the outcome is you, yes. you still have that love and support because it's the love that brought you together that made you want to yeah. create a world so yes. you don't want one and getting the other yes mm. and you know i find when celebrities talk about their infertility journey uh, are notable people like Michelle Obama had mentioned that she struggled with infertility. There was a rise in um, women of color who went to fertility help. So I believe that when, I, I mean, I don't believe, I mean, the proof is in the pudding that when celebrities and notable people talk about infertility, it sort of destigmatize the diagnosis mm -hmm. and helps women to become, um, you know, a little more open. And you're right when, when you said earlier that women are the ones who are faced with the infertility because they're always the ones to be blamed. And the reason is because they're the ones to carry the pregnancy and they're the ones to nurture inside and outside, um, you know, a pregnancy. So oftentimes it's not their, their fault. Uh, data has shown that it's 30% uh, a male factor, 30% a female factor, and the remainder is just unexplained right so um, that information is there and when celebrities talk it does get others encouraged but now how many celebrities are talking how many notable people are talking right 
So yes, that is yes. another very important factor. And in terms of counseling, yes, it's better to seek professional counseling. And one of the things that I offer through my website is counseling. Because you might think that you're part of a group, maybe a strong family, or you have great friends, um, or you belong to a faith-based organization where you might be free to talk about fertility, but they might say the wrong thing. Um, and their only intent is to make you feel better, but not yeah, oftentimes yeah. it does make you feel better. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Sometimes people will get their miracle through faith and, and sometimes they get a different miracle and it might not be, it might not look exactly the way they wanted to or had intended, but then it can be a blessing in that, you know, I was, I, I never wanted to, I never expected to go to prison but it happened and yet I've found so much good has come out of that even though that was a path that was very drastic. Now that's not the same situation but you know as I often say to people the strongest prison bars are in your head and the prison bars of infertility don't just they're not just biological they can be the way you think about it in your head uh, can cause you more trauma and yes and, you know, it's important to seek the help and people who want to encourage you they may say the wrong thing and, and, um, Pamela you gave me you, you rattled off a list of things that people say uh, that oh well never mind you know you can get it you can always get a dog or or um, oh you can always adopt or or you know it's it's your marriage that's important and uh, and, and so on and and even though these things um, you know, or we can believe for a miracle or worse, the worst, you know, sow a seed and uh, sow a financial seed and believe for your breakthrough, which is just hideous advice. But, you know, or, or you can foster children, look at all the ones who, you know, who need help. The, the, a lot of those things might be true but the person isn't necessarily ready to hear it yet. That is absolutely correct. It's that is absolutely correct. It can be just brutal. You know, it's like someone's freshly divorced and they're hurting. You say, well, there's other fish in the sea. Come on, let's go out on a date. And it's like, that's the... Yes. <laughs> and and their intent is... And, yeah. and their intent is to make you feel better, doesn't? but it doesn't. So you really have to... Think for a moment if you were in that person's shoes, right? Is this what you would want to hear? Exactly. And it's, it is hard to empathise sometimes, especially if you've had children who've been challenging and your guilt has been, I wish I'd never had them, or, you know, then then it can be very hard to, you know, to, to relate. And, and so in those cases, Zip. You don't need that, that is absolutely yes that is absolutely correct yeah. just listening just sitting there and listening to someone just talk out what's troubling them just listen to someone venting just listen is all that it might take sometimes if you don't have an input that is going to help Yes, just sit there and listen. I think that is the, the wiser choice because infertility yeah. consumes, it comes, it consumes a woman or a couple, mostly a woman, when they're faced with that. It's all they can think about morning, noon, and night. When they see a baby, when they see a newborn, all they can think about, when is it my turn? Um, because it does consume. It, it, it does, and it's, it is... It's not just a biological thing. It, it, it is. It's about identity. It's about lots of things, and it's it's not neat and tidy. Pamela Rashid, my goodness, this has been so helpful. But so many people listening and watching will want to know so much more. And I do want to encourage people to purchase your book either through Amazon. I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, oh, hang on. Wait a minute. Add to stream. There we are. And what I'm also going to do, you can buy it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Baron, the inside world of uh, uh, the inside world of infertility. Um, it is on Kindle, so you can get that from Amazon, or you can get that from um, Barnes and Noble, Amazon America, Amazon Australia. Uh, but and it's in Canada, it. India, Denmark. It's in quite a number of countries. 
So yeah. um, that. you just don't know, even if it doesn't affect you, there are people in your world that it may affect. It, it would be helpful to, to get the book and uh, just, just become a bit more sensitive and, and helpful to the people around you, even, even if your helpfulness is just not complaining <laughs> about your kids in front of them. We don't yeah. have to share everything about ourselves. Just listen. I love that. Now, Pamela, I as we wrap up, um, there's a couple of things that are going to I want to encourage uh, if, if someone is part of an association uh, or if there's a, a medical group or some of you do professional speaking on this subject, Pamela. So I want to encourage people uh, who are who are associated with any groups that do bring in speakers, uh, any uh, corporates. Um, Oh, I'm just distracted by we have another lovely comment from your friend Wilfred. So he's he's enjoyed the uh, the interview. So thank you, uh, thank yeah. you, Wilfred. Yeah, so there and, will be two. <laughs> and Trish, I just want to talk about fertility awareness. It is a very oh, very right. important topic. So fertility awareness, especially for women. Now you might not be partnered, and you might be in your early thirties. Um, don't think that when you become partner later in your 30s that you are early 40s that everything is going to be fine be aware of your fertility because as a woman as you age your egg quantity and your egg quality decline there is the program that offers egg freezing cycle right so you can bank those eggs and a lot of companies here in america do offer fertility benefits if if you check with your organization, see if they offer fertility benefits and bank those eggs. I actually have a friend who did that when we worked together years ago and today she has a baby girl in her forties oh, wow. from eggs that she banked in her thirties. So be aware of your fertility. Don't wait to be partner and think that it's going to be the right time because your egg quality and your egg quantity might decline drastically by then. Wow, that's very sobering advice. So thank you, Pamela. That's really helpful, really sound, helpful advice. So all right, we're going to come to a close and we're going to do a switch over. Now, in the text accompanying this video, I have put the links to where you can find where we're going to go. It'll, it might take us 30 seconds or maybe a minute to completely switch over. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna leave LinkedIn and the Trish Jenkins YouTube channel, which by the way, please like and subscribe. Uh, and then, and um, one of the Facebook pages that I have, and we're going to switch over to the YouTube Trish Jenkins Ministries channel, which should be listed in the uh, text. We're going to go to the Facebook page, which is my ministry page, Trish Jenkins Ministries. Uh, and I'm also going to share it to my personal page for those, of, and that'll be public, that you can visit there. So when we do that, um, then, uh, oh, look, you've had another fan, another fan, Claire, wonderful. If you'd like to stay with us, Claire, just uh, switch over to the um, platforms that we're going to go to. So um, I'm going to now uh, say good goodbye to these platforms. I Well, before we do that, um, once again, I want to remind people that Pamela Rashid is a professional speaker. She teaches on this material. If you have a group or an interest group, that would like to engage her if you have a corporate company if you are to do with where you provide health insurance and you'd like someone who's informed to talk to your staff please have her come along because it's not all doom and gloom there is hope and there are strategies out there that can help you so uh, as we go out i will play my outro video because i too am a professional speaker and i build resilience and encouragement to people and i just love having a platform where i can that's right yes and make people feel good so if you have an event where you would like a motivational, inspirational speaker, then uh, pick me too. So. <laughs> All right, so we'll do that. And, and as the video comes to a close, I will do my best to smoothly transition to the other platforms and we'll hopefully we'll see you all there. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. <laughs>
Okay, well, hello. If anybody is still watching, I don't think we're actually on anything right now. I'm just grabbing some text copy. We're going to go paste, save, and paste, save. And we should be and here we are again. We should be on our ministry pages. And I'm just going to switch over our logo to did you see how that how smoothly that changed? Very good. And if anyone is watching, can you let me know if I'm going to refresh my uh, page? Pamela, um, it has been a pleasure talking to you about the business side of things. If someone is watching and they have not seen the business side, they can go there. Uh, but here we go. This is the second interview and we are live now. We are on. Beautiful. So, Pamela, would you like to share with us a little bit of your faith journey and, and uh, how, how that might intertwine with what you do? That would be lovely. Thank, yes, thank, thank you, Trish. Thank you so much for having me on the faith side of, of things. Um, yes, I am a nurse specializing in fertility, but I'm a woman. I know that all things work together for good So really trusting God on this journey. I want to encourage, as I have done continually, seek medical help, but also remember God is the author and the finisher. We can do everything science and technology us to do, but the household of faith as well. Um, I myself have not gone through infertility. I have to be a focus but in other areas of my life, I watch God come in, change a situation, bring transformation, bring healing. Um, and I've watched God just do so many miracles. I also teach at the Highland Bible Institute, and currently I am teaching a course entitled Women in God's Design. I have a really wonderful um, bunch of students. And just last, uh, just this week's lesson, we were talking about Rahab and how she actually knew that Yahweh, if he says he's going to give the Israelites the land, he will because she said, I know your God and what he has done for you over and over and over. He has done so many miracles for you. Um, and that is what she said to the spies uh, when they were on top of her roof. And so I myself had gone through those journeys. I have seen God brought me through. And I know there is nothing impossible for him to do. Now, do we have that level of faith? Sometimes we don't. Many times we don't. We cannot figure out the end from the beginning, but he can. And he can guide you to the right doctors if that is what you need. He can guide you to the right nurse, like some of my patients that has come down my pathway. I used to pray every day before I go to work and say, Lord, whichever women you want me to minister today, send them my way. And I've gotten some cases. I am telling you of women who were in a very, very dark place, backsliders, women who have lost their faith in God because of this diagnosis. And I was able to listen and to see them and the insight from where they're coming from. Not only someone with a clinical diagnosis, but someone with a spiritual diagnosis. Because of that faith and because of that discernment and that insight. And these women are the ones who wrote their stories because they really did believe that God had them on his mind. That's just And, you know, it, oh, it's such a moving topic. And 
you know, there's there's women in the Old Testament for whom giving having children was their identity, and yet there are then there are promises to other you know to to women that um, that the the barren woman would be you know fruitful, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they will have physical children, but they would bear fruit, and yes. uh, so you know it's hard because the church has often has has valued women's roles as you know wives and mothers which is uh somewhat sad you know that that you know paul talks about the single life as a blessed life and so you are still a 100% woman as a single woman so whether is- you're a wife if you're not a wife and you're not a mother, you are that you are still. But we we have that longing quite often, and uh, there's so much that isn't isn't helpful in uh, in in the church world, even though it is well intended. You know, well intended, but that's just not. It's not always realistic, and there are so many different ways that that God can bless us. But you've also seen some some miracles. And so, you know, we keep believing yeah. God for these things. Yeah, I've seen some miracles. You know, one barren um, women in the church that they would be encouraged to sow a faith offering or a seed offering. They would be encouraged to, um, by the scripture, to put their whole trust in God. And taboo become even more evident because for some churches they might say well if you go to fertility specialist it's like you're not trusting god oh boy that is that is Um, another thing (laughs) let me just into yeah i i really yeah i want to catch that because god gave us doctors god gave us that is absolutely true and this goes for mental health help as well and so, you know, there, there are people who will not go to a psychologist to get mental health because it's supposed to be a lack of faith when it can be all sorts of reasons, you know, that so I just wanted to emphasise that God gave us these professionals to help us. You wouldn't, you break your arm, you don't say, oh, just believe God, you don't need to go to the doctor to get a plaster on your arm. Now, God may do a miracle and restore that arm. But most of the time, he uses what's he what he's already placed in the earth to to keep things going. So I, I thank you for saying that, Pamela. And look, this is not a criticism of church in general. It is that these things can happen. We, it can bring us under condemnation. Uh, and it's and a actually lack of knowledge. It, it is a lack of knowledge. Yeah. Um, you can't be so heavenly minded that you're art, no earthly good, right? Mm-hmm. So there could mm-hmm. be just a lack of knowledge or a fear to try to encourage these patients to go seek mm-hmm. help. And for mm-hmm. that reason, a woman who or a couple who's struggling with fertility may not want to talk to their faith leaders because they might be told that me put some oil and anoint your head and um, pray with you and trust God. And yes, I have a friend who actually wrote for the book. She, the amount of things she, she never wanted to go to a fertility specialist, even though I was a friend and encouraged a little bit, you know, after a few years not seeing that they were conceiving. And then she she wrote, she said, eight years she waited. And then she ended up having a child. She put her total faith in God. Now that's admirable. She waited, never got a fertility treatment, eight years, and she had her her children. Then there is this woman, you know, at one time in the Bible Institute at the Highland Church, I was teaching on a topic, um, a barrenness, just because I was teaching the book of Ruth. And that I was co-teaching with another teacher who was out for the week and she asked me to cover that week and it happened to be a topic on barren, you know, was, you know, on barrenness. So I opened up the class and I said, you know, I have a question, was Ruth barren? And for those who say that Ruth was barren, I want you to own your answer and I want you to give me a rationale for that, right? And for those of you who didn't think Ruth was barren, own your answer and give me a rationale. I had a split class. There were half 
and men and women were in that class and they were half that was saying she wasn't she and the other she wasn't when i explained to them mahalan and chilean were brothers right each were married to you know their wives neither was able to conceive right we're talking about probably a fertility issue related to the boys then when ruth married boaz even though she was 10 years or more older and supposedly boaz was an older person the bible says in ruth 4:13 i believe it is it was god who gave them conception so there you go you have these two boys neither one of them were able to impregnate their wives now you have ruth with an older man having a child so what do you think was it a male factor in fertility or was it god who came in the midst and gave a barren woman conception right so it, it, it is um it could be a really thin line to walk on when you're in the church because you think maybe you just have to have a little bit more faith or you think maybe there is an issue should we give up on faith you don't have to give up on faith if you decide to go see a fertility specialist well that's right and given the church's um background in the teaching about you know submitting to your husband it it can be it, it can be even more cruel when leaders will say well are you submitting to your husband are you doing it? there's there's that whole culture of blame on the woman that can come across as as even almost like a correction it's look healing can healing can happen when there is a release of say unforgiveness or if there's been sin going on and it's repented of that can release healing but it's not always the case not everybody with arthritis has it because they're bitter and twisted and unforgiving that is true unforgiveness can bring it on we do have to be sensitive to that and um you know there's some spiritual abuse that can go on which is is about the blame game but but even worse the interference in marriages in the marriage bed and and it's supposedly you know because they want to help or they want to see that miracle come to pass or or whatever it is and it i would encourage women to have boundaries around where they get prayer from that is true that is and true if there so, has been a, an abortion in your history it's not always a prayer meeting is not always a safe place to disclose that that business is between you and god and your repentance is between you and the lord there may be some prayer ministry to heal your womb needed uh, but be very careful who you do confide in because it's not always going to go well that and you know god works in mysterious ways and god works in miracles he looks at the heart yeah. and when he sees the heart he's going to make a way you know it was 2016 or 17 that a woman walked up to me i was doing registration for the bible institute at my church and she was just curious wanting to know what was going on and i explained to her what it was and then she signed up for a class and when the semester was over and we had a graduation ceremony um, the students were walking out and they were like, oh, Sister Pamela, when are you going to teach again? Are you teaching next semester? We want to take your class. We cannot forget that lesson on Ruth and Baroness. And so I said, oh, that is because I'm a fertility nurse that I was able to bring it around, right? Was it the male factor? Was it? Um, so I mixed my faith with science, right? And this is what fertility is. It's faith and science and a prayer mm -hmm. sometimes. And that's something that one of my reviewers wrote. But going back to that, as she, they were leaving, they said that, and this woman heard. And when I said that I'm a fertility nurse and I work at Columbia University, and so she waited back, she stayed back to ask me questions. And she was like, I heard this, is this true? This is a woman who three months ago came to the registration table and spoke with me about the class. Within two years, she ended up having a baby in her 50s. Wow, wow. Right? So, uh, but 
but her route was different. Now, you might not be able to have a child with your own eggs, right? You can adopt an embryo. That is also something else. Right. And you can have an adoption of a child that was born and, and you know, up for adoption. Um, God can design your family in a different way than you think. Absolutely. Right? And I'd like to encourage people where that's concerned because, um, you know, one of our local churches, the senior pastors had been Christians since being before they were married, I think. And, um, and and they tried for years and believed God for years and eventually they um, you know God spoke very clearly to them about adoption mm -hmm. and the young man that they adopted he's just the most incredible man of God now he's he's in his 20s and he's an inspiring preacher and man of God and he is absolutely delighted that that God put that family together and then I heard him say one Sunday recently that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we expect uh sometimes you know the, the blessing he works in mysterious ways he really works does. in mysterious ways yeah he really does and um you know and I mean these conversations you, you do want to be sensitive because it's not it's not nice to just go well you can just adopt but the fact is that God places the solitary in families that's his promise that that to to knit people together so that we would not be on our own and lonely. And uh, as you said, there are embryos that are from people who they they've fertilized embryos, tiny babies yet to yet to grow that are not being selected because they they make so many you know a number of them. And then you know I don't know about Australia, but um uh, as you've said in, in America, the US. Mm -hmm. you can actually have those implanted and and they are children that you that you can grow and raise and your body is nourishing them your dna is 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 looking after them um mm -hmm. i have a, i have um two dads i have a natural father and i have um my dad that that my mum married when i was three and he's my dad i've grown up close to him i i never call him my stepdad because i i'm every bit as cl probably closer to him uh, be, because of that relationship that we've had and uh, so there's, there's a scripture that disturbs me in the Old Testament when um, it's just come to my mind. I can't remember which of the, the, the wives, and there was a sin to start with, with multiple wives, but she was, she was unable and she said, give me children lest I die. And they had yes. the mandrakes and, and so on. And, you know, that was not godly. That was idolatry. And, and that family was filled with strife yes. with what went on. So when it becomes an idol, you're, you're really chasing something. And I, and I know this is a sensitive area and I know that we desperately want certain things to be a certain way, but God is still God and we've got to trust him. Well, I mean, one of my ladies who wrote her story also wrote that it was when she gave it up <gasps> and she said, Lord, you take over. I wow. give this up to you. That is when she actually was able to conceive. Yeah. And sometimes when you are holding on to something and making that an idol and you're a woman of faith, it might be a message that the Lord is sending to you that I am able, but your primary purpose is to worship me, to put That's me right. first, right? That is why we were created. Now, once you do that, God can show you different pathways. So these are very important. Right? You get a place where you can actually hear the voice of God. It might simply you know it might be, you know, maybe we can look into adoption. Some things like for example the couple that you spoke with, that you spoke about having a son, but they said that they knew that they were told they should adopt. They knew by God that they were going to adopt. Yeah, yeah. So you see, they heard from the Lord. Yeah, and the yeah. young man that they adopted turned out to be so successful. Just for, and, But they knew, like, they heard from the Lord because they were willing to hear perhaps what they didn't want to hear. You know, we, we've got to be that yielded to the Lord. 
that that he can speak to us because when it's when the seed dies the dream dies that he can bear fruit with it and yes. i think that's something really powerful to remember that that uh the primary and i love what you said before about our primary purpose because our primary purpose as a woman is not to be a wife and a mother <gasps> shock our primary yeah. purpose as a woman is to be in relationship with god yes we were created to stay in that garden and to commune with him have relationship every day yes everything else is a function outside like as as a flow out of that so you know that yeah and when when you're a woman of faith and you're really locked into what god has for you he would take you down that path that he wants you to go it might not be traditional conception and mm -hmm. having a child traditionally but if you open up your mind to the Lord, he can show you. And Margaret, who wrote in her book too, she's had a child with her own eggs. Um, she's mm. adopted children. She's had someone drop their child off at her doorstep and say, take this child, um, mm. so to speak. And so her beautiful family was designed differently. Yeah, um, yep. different cultures are different. Like I met some Bible college students who were down from Papua New Guinea and uh, in in the village life, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. And this gentleman was saying, oh, yes, we had so many babies, but we gave one to my wife's sister. Oh, you, you, you gave your baby away? He said, yes, yeah, she didn't have a baby, so we gave her one of ours. Oh, wow. They all grow up, they all grow up together. There was, there was no... There was no talk of any hang-ups about it. It was that they shared their family with their family. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what a beautiful thing. You know, it, it takes a lot to come to that point. I actually spoke to a woman a few months ago because I do consult, you know, with infertile women throughout the country. And I spoke to a woman and she said, you know, her neighbor had three remaining embryos. They have four children. Her neighbor gave donated her embryos to them as a gift. And she was so excited. She said, because now they're going to know each other, right? She's, this woman is so excited. She's getting ready to see her doctor. She's getting ready to have, a, have babies from these three donated embryos that she considered a gift. This was from her neighbor. And yeah, the thing is, they just moved into the neighborhood a few years ago. Now, how could it be that God just lined them up, right? He just brought these series of events. I believe she said that her husband had a job uh, relocation mm. and he moved to this neighborhood and they became friendly with this couple who had four children. And when they became friendly enough, the couple realized that they were struggling with infertility and say, hey, we have three remaining embryos and yeah. uh, we don't want to have more children. We have four. And it was such a blessing. And I was saying to her on the phone, I said, you know, God just lined those circumstances up that yeah, now he, lined, he did he lined those circumstances up and look i just want to clarify with people too we're not advocating giving your children away <laughs> you do no we're saying god can design your child your family differently i couldn't think of anything worse than uh the concept of of donating a part of me to become a child that grows up in a family that has no regard for Christ. You know, that would that that's a different that's a different conversation. Those are deep um, that's a very deep conversation to have. A different conversation. That's you know, we're not saying if you've got too many kids, just give one away. We're not talking about that. We're just we're talking about the gift of how children come into a family in different ways. Yes. So it's 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 very easy in the half hour that we've had to take perhaps one thing that one of us has said and go oh they've said this and uh, please you know forgive out you know if, if my clumsy and I I don't think it has but everything in context you know you can take a scripture give me children lest I die and think that that's the model behaviour and it's not <laughs> you've got to take it in context. Pamela Rashid, it's a wow. desperation. You know, it's, it's a desperate cry for. For a yeah. child it's it like is. the woman of zarafat the widow i will make a meal for me and my son and then we will die and the prophet elijah said go yeah. do what you said make a meal for you and your son but first give me a piece of bread 
Um, so there is desperation in these types of situations. Yeah. And first you want to, yes, and you, you, de you definitely want to explore all the options that are available to you clinically. They might be a simple fix to move on. And if you're not, if you're a woman of faith, you're a man of faith, just seek the Lord on that. Um, and God knows, right? The clinical data or your clinical test results might say one thing and he says something else. And we've had situations like that where women were told you can never have a child. My sister was told that, my older sister, she had about four miscarriages. Mm. And the last pregnancy she had, she happened to be in this country when she became, when she was pregnant. And she said to me, she started to cry and she said, you know, I said, why are you crying? She said, the doctor said, if ever she gets pregnant again, she's going to die. I was like, what nonsense. She happened to be in this country, happened to come on a visitor's visa at that time. I took her to my doctor. I, I was working with an OBGYN. We figured out the problem. She was very anemic. So when the fetus develops and need blood and, and nutrients, she didn't have the supply. And so she miscarried up until like five months um, pregnancies. She delivered her son. He came in like five children all together, the energy, everything. So when the when you're a woman of faith, the doctor can tell you one thing, but God can say something else. Amen. Praise God. That is just so amazing. Wow. 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 Now look, before we before we finish up, uh, some people may be watching this who did not watch the other video. You can go and find the other video that we did just before this one, which was the more professional side of things. I do want to let people know about your book. Once again, it is called Baron, The Inside World of Infertility. This is the Amazon page. I also want to show people your website page. GentleNurse101.com, GentleNurse101.com that is in here we go i'll put it back up gentlenurse101.com is where you can find details about uh, pamela and her book you can get it on amazon but you can also get it so you've got some other tabs here that that can take you to different things about uh, what uh, what she does so um, by all means please uh, get the book um, and you know, it's good for us to be an encouragement to one another in the body of Christ. It's it's really important. And God does do miracles. They don't always look the way we want. Sometimes they do. Quite often it's it's slightly different. Romans 8:28 is my life verse that God makes all things work together for our good when we when we love him, when we press into him. And it's paraphrased, of course. But you know, I went to prison believing God that I would not go. And I'm and in that prison, but God gave me that scripture and said, trust me, I work all things together for your good. And I had no idea how, what good would come out of that experience. And yet it's birthed a whole ministry that touches lives and sets people free from their own ministry, from their own prisons inside their heads. So whether your prison is, uh, is infertility or sickness or a relationship or whatever it might be, Jesus is your jailbreaker. Amen. So, Amen. Pamela, how's that for a good ending? Pamela Rashid, yes. thank you so much for your wonderful input. And by all means, like, subscribe. Uh, yes, please, uh, so if wherever you're watching this, please like and subscribe, follow all those things. Same thing with Pamela. Invite Pamela to come and minister, to speak to your group. Invite me to come and minister yes. and speak to your group. And... Uh, um, I think that's just about it. If you, yeah, you well, well Trish, like you, like you, my my um, favorite part is when uh, Mordecai said to Esther, "Who knows if you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this?" And I do find myself in situations where God has used me to help others, not only in the world of infertility but elsewhere. And I always stop to ask myself a question. Are you in the situation for this particular purpose in this person's life? And I have often seen that that come to pass. And sometimes, you know, I don't hear from my patients. I know that they've succeeded, but maybe I was just there for that time. 
um, for that purpose. Well, that's just, that's a beautiful note to end on. So thank you for joining us, Pamela, for both the, uh, the other interview on the professional side of things and then for ministering to us and giving us some insight. Yes. The spiritual side thank you so much for having me it was indeed a pleasure all the way from new york to australia yes and all around the world as people watch this yes right. yes god bless Amen. you good night <laughs> good night good night and i